welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everybody, I want to take a quick minute to tell you something that I'm really excited about. I've recently teamed up with Hitched Inc., one of the biggest and fastest growing tech startups in oil and gas. You've probably seen them all over LinkedIn. From generators to light towers, pumps to forklifts, use Hitch to pair your company with reliable rental suppliers and eliminate the hassle of logistics through the use of an in-app platform. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to schedule a demo. Cool. Let's kick this thing off. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here at the Canon with Michael Maltsev, CEO at Rigger. Mike, how are you doing this morning? Good. Just fantastic. Uh, Good. Thank you for inviting us here. Yeah, you bet. I, when I saw you a few minutes ago, you said, uh, I asked how your morning was and you said perfect. So how do you define a perfect morning? Perfect morning when you wake up and think what you what kind of great thing you can do today. Yeah. Hey, I love <laughs> it. That That is a great mindset, Mike. So before we get going, I just want to take a quick break. If you like coffee and you don't want to pay for it, I have a deal for you. Leave a review, send me a message letting me know you left a review and I'll buy you a coffee. If not, that's cool too. I'm grateful for you listening. So Mike, I reached out to you based on something that caught my eye on LinkedIn. You guys are doing some great marketing and, and creating awareness around your brand. So I clicked on your LinkedIn and realized you had some Canadian roots, so thought for sure you'd make a great fit for the show. But where are you from originally? Tell me a little bit about your background. Oh, that's interesting. I have lots of geography in my history. Cool. Let's go through the, the culture train here. True, true, true. I was born in Russia and lived in different parts of Soviet Union, even Poland, Belarus, and then uh, moved wow. to Canada 10 years ago and started a business eight years ago. So that's kind of a different and right now most of our clients in us so it's it's very very interesting yeah so you bounced around and then you decided to pursue the canadian dream and now you're pursuing the american dream yeah that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. it's that, a global global dream yeah you're taking over the world man this is the, that's awesome i uh you know, you're, so obviously being from over there, so my roots, I'm from Canada and mostly Eastern European. You know, my mom's from, you know, on the Ukrainian side. My grandma's got some Polish and a little bit of Russian in there too. So it's interesting, man. It's a, it's a little taste of home. How would you describe your childhood growing up there? Because I think a lot of folks that are listening to this are mostly U.S. So how, how would you describe growing up over in that oh, part of the world? The childhood, probably the the happiest years in in everyone's life. Uh, yeah. And was very, very interesting. We travel a lot. My father was a military man. Okay. And from Far East to Moscow to Poland to Belarus, different parts, different culture, different people. Mm -hmm. And that's probably like give a, me... The sense of understanding and different cultures and different like adversity of of the world. Yeah. On that part, right now I <laughs> explore another another part, and it's it's very interesting. So yeah, the I remember like lots of good stuff from my childhood. So it yeah. was happy. Yeah, it was happy for sure. It was a Soviet Union. It was tough times. Right. 90s in in Russia. It was was really really bad. But in general, it was, you know, happy days with the family, with all my friends and it was... It was a yeah. good experience. No, that's good to hear. And so, so what made you decide to move to Canada? Was business opportunity or... It was a decision because, you know, I need to develop my, my solo professional and... Okay, let's put this aside. Yeah. It was not my 
I'm married, and uh, okay. it was it was a choice of my. <laughs> so, <laughs> my so you're basically saying she made me do it. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Is she I, Canadian? No. She, okay. She's from Belarus, but wow. uh, so just, she was pursuing the Canadian dream, and you I, figured if I'm gonna be with you, <laughs> I need to pursue it too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, look, I've done some crazy things all because my wife wanted to. So I totally understand where you're coming from. So your wife makes you move to Canada. Were, what were you excited? Were you, you know, not looking forward to it? Like, what what was the thought process once you landed and you're like, well, here I am. The first first couple of years was like blow the mind. It okay. was it was really really great experience. And uh, how so? It was fantastic. It was fantastic. We yeah. visit lots of beautiful places like all the national parks around Alberta and BC. Yeah. And like camping, going hiking and, and lots of positive experience. And that happened that I found a job in oil and gas. Okay. Uh, and starting my career as an accountant and then grow to the controller and C4 of the rental company oil and gas. And this is okay. this is how Rigor was born. Okay, yeah. And, and we'll certainly get into that. But I'm always interested on the roots of people, their career, their story, and then ultimately what drives them to taking a leap of faith and going into a startup or starting something. And especially like yourself, did you have any oil and gas experience when you lived overseas? Previously not. Yeah, Previously so, not. which is crazy, right? Because you have folks here that, you know, were born into an oil and gas family, they work the rigs or they do whatever it is in 15, 20, 30 years of working, you know, whether it's one company or multiple, but to fast track like you did, you said you moved to Canada 10 years ago? Yep. And then here you are running a company, you're ripping around Houston and developing business sure. with folks that may or may not be able to identify with you. Because I would imagine, you know, being from over there, you probably don't run into too many folks from back home here, do you? Right now we have like international company. Oh, we so have, you guys do business we, overseas as well? Yes. There, Good for you. We have like right now four different countries in our regions where we're working at. And it started like like natural thing. Because okay. uh, yeah, again, when we moved to Canada, we were trying to understand where we can apply our skills, knowledges, and what we would like to do. So Rebecca, back home, I run IT business. Ah. Pretty much the same. So it's not the first startup for more in my history. Okay. The third, maybe. Sure. So like, I not call myself as a serial entrepreneur, but this some, some kind of an entrepreneurial spirit was always in my mind and kind of identify the opportunity, identify the problem and try to solve it. Most that's, definitely. That's, that's what all the entrepreneurs do. Of course. That's, and it's like understanding what's what's important and going to connect people in in many cases yes like employees clients buyers whoever it could be and just a do a, a little bit money yeah of course <laughs> and, and if done correctly there's certainly some monetary value there that can help create a wonderful lifestyle so you you have an mba as well right yeah where did you get your mba at? it was a mutual project with belarusian latvian and u.s universities wow it was the time when you know all the western educational cultural thing start accessible to soviet union okay and it was a mutual project with riga business school buffalo state university and university of grodna Yankopala, and we had like a pilot project of mba there we had to move to like back and forth so so to buffalo to latvia and belarus as well so like three three different and the main main language was english and that is why i just this is how how you learn yeah no <laughs> kidding learn everything yeah look you throw yourself in there and you have no choice but to learn 
No, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. So how did you ultimately end up starting Rager? I mean, what, what, that, what did that look like? Like what problem did you identify and how did you have the skill set to understand, okay, I have a solution for this and I'm going to hit the market and add value. What did that transition look like? Uh, it was an idea because again, I started as a CFO of the rental company. And so it's going to name the company. Yeah, you can, it's all, yeah, oh, yeah, whatever okay. you would like, for sure. Yeah, so Rickstar Communications was a service provider, last mile solution provider for Western Canadian and in some period, North Dakota for telecom needs of oil and gas, yeah. uh, oil sites. That's interesting, because when I looked at your LinkedIn and, and it caught my eye and, and attention that you had some Canadian experience, I recognized Rigstar Communications. I worked drilling rigs starting in 2004. In the logo, in the Rigstar, it, something rung a bell and I was like, oh, okay, you know, so something i recognize so, so that's so, interesting so, so you know you know what what is it about yeah so different telecom solutions for different sites it means that we received a call to provide a telecom signal to a drilling rig or any sites right and at the place technician decide what needs to be done mm. so you, you you never know what kind of technology you will use right it would be a satellite wi-fi or any other signals and what kind of configuration you need to build to provide the adequate solution for this particular site. And in this case, those times we had around 25 field technicians and 3,000 rental units and nightmare of the spreadsheets. <laughs> it's okay. I, I work for a company who still uses them, so I, I know, totally I know. can identify. And I think a lot of us can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So what was a procedure? Say we had five dispatchers, 25 field technicians, and 25 field technicians every night send Excel spreadsheet. They own Excel spreadsheet to the dispatcher. Yeah. And what the dispatchers did every single day, they just put together those 25 to 1, like it were, or were like a one day, mm -hmm. tracking all the equipment, unit numbers, all the services provided and everything. And it was like crucial because the next day, what do you do? Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very time consuming. Yeah. And, and at yeah. the end of the month, you have like a premium. <laughs> <laughs> it was raining Excel Absolutely. sheets everywhere. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. oh, in, in, I this, know. in this case, you know, billing became a huge issue. So it's like two or three weeks after the job done, after the month end, yes. you're starting building invoices. Wow. And we have 400, 600 invoices per month, average. Like big months, we had maybe 1,000 or maybe 2,000 invoices, depending on the volume of the jobs. Of course. One day I sat down and calculated the number of transactions like in the highest month, hmm. uh, with, and it was 100,000 transactions. Wow. Jeez. Like movement, days, records, everything. Just so much information. It's it's not convenient, I hope, with that way. Of course, yeah. Uh, to have everything in Excel spreadsheet. Moreover, you do not have any history about, no, no analytics about your operations. Right. And this is like, like a side effect, but the most important, you lose lots of revenue. Yeah. Okay, so briefly describe that. So you, first of all, you invoice slow. Yeah. Invoice not accurate. Right. Because you miss one, two, three, seven rental days. Moreover, you can miss equipment. Yeah. Because the equipment will working, but you will not charging because you have no records about that. Right. You miss services because, you know, you have a lots of disputes with the clients about that was done, was not. 
So you have no like a normal, you lose a ticket, yeah. you lose a job, you lose a revenue. Of course. Okay. So another problem when the accountants sit down and trying to invoice, they have no idea what they need to charge hmm. because it was an agreement with sales guys that uh, <laughs> they provide 10% discount, they send invoice, they reject it yeah. back and forth. The worst case scenario, my example was invoice approval was 96 days or 100 days because the company man went to the vacation to Mexico. Oh, yeah. <laughs> months <laughs> yeah. well, and he was the only one that they were uh, allowed to sign it so then he had to wait yeah. i've been there yeah i know absolutely. i know and after that it was like okay so what we will do and imagine that the person who spent uh, two weeks or two months in vacation back to office and see that invoice and i have no clue what yeah, is it about <laughs> a lot's happened between the time that job it was executed to the time it got billed so yeah, he was not, he didn't want to come back and have to sign a bunch of tickets. So I can, yeah, no, that happens all too often. And this is one an opportunity for us. So to understand how to make this better, we try to build pivot tables or all up cubes in Excel to put everything together. Yeah. It was the first version and was not successful because it was like not working properly for us. Yeah. And after that, I, I realized, okay, can I try to call my guys and ask to build a prototype. So based on the software which we use back home. And here we go. Yeah. So after a year, it was not fast because, you know, I had like full-time job and there was a side project. Of course. And after that kind of six, nine months, we had working prototype. It was very simple software with the rental agreement, tickets and invoice. Okay. So, and track all the equipment, et cetera. So very, very simple. And what year was that? It was around 2012, 2013. So before the, the big digital transformation even took place, you yes. guys were in head of the wave. Yeah, because this is, again, it was my vision that we need to make this thing better. Yes. Uh, and after that, we just start adding more and more features to, to our product. And, Interesting. Yeah, and it was like... Those days, uh, the kind of demo of the product was maybe seven, maybe 10 minutes. Right now we have, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 hours of demos in, in, in YouTube. Okay, uh, good. So, <laughs> so you're utilizing that. And that's, yeah. you know, what's funny is I, I was listening to something and I think it was a podcast and they said that YouTube nowadays, 68% of users on YouTube utilize it as a search engine. So that's, again, it's very true. Yeah, it, it kind of switches your perspective, especially for companies, you know, who have tutorials or, you know, you're trying to create, you know, get awareness or even just more viewership of your company. If you can teach somebody how to do something, nine out of 10 times they are going to search it on YouTube. And so if you can have a video and explain something that, you know, again, adds value as, as, you know, through reputation of the company. And so it's good that you guys do that. We do it not only for external usage, but for internal purposes as well. So we dedicate Great. our users, we dedicate our employees onboarding new guys who join our team. They need to know the product. Yeah. And this is our source because it's already here Yeah, and we can use it. Yeah. No, so that's excellent. That's our approach. So we'd like to be transparent. We'd like to be open. Yeah, we understand that this is a big deal for any company to transform the business, especially when you use one system mm. and transform to another system. 
So, and it's huge change from technological perspective, but most important, it's a huge change for organization perspective. Yes, I can imagine. It's different way how you run the business. And again, maybe better, but it's different. Right. So. It's, it's change and people are always hesitant to change because it's an uncomfortable feeling and they have to learn something. So what would you say, and it may be that, but what would you say the biggest challenges that you've experienced in starting it you know, maybe going through the downturn, coming out of the downturn, which some argue we're still in. What does that look like for you guys? If you'd like to start the business, start in a downturn. That's, hey, <laughs> I've heard that and I 100% agree with you, right? Yeah, because when, when oil is, at, you know, now 70 and 80 would be magical, but God forbid we get back to 100, you know, you could, anyone and their dog could start an oil field service company and, and, right. and it would do well, but... Yeah, that if you for all the listeners out there, if you want to start a company with whether it's oil and gas, whatever industry, start it when times are the worst. Because if you can get some traction and develop business in a downturn, you are going to be swimming in money when things get good. So, but anyway, back to the question. Didn't mean to deviate there. What are some of the challenges that you faced, you know, through the years and especially through the downturn? First of all, the oil and gas industry is very conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what was a first discovery because nobody wants to be a pioneer. Right. But everyone wants to be innovative. That's yeah. <laughs> Without spending the money. True. And then and, and totally de-risking it. Absolutely. Somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. Risk <laughs> yeah. risk probably the most important factor for oil and gas industry. Yeah. Not the price, but the risk. Okay. And that is why it's really tough to, you know, gain the first maybe two, maybe three clients. After that, it's, it's become easier and better and smoother Good because point. people see the results. They see it really works. Mm -hmm. Another thing, it was maybe like 2000 or maybe a little bit earlier when oil and gas spent a lot of money for software Yeah, and it was not like a huge effect. Mm. So, and that is why people try to avoid any unnecessary, you know, investment to the software, which is not working. So they'd like to know that it's work yes yeah so how do you guys overcome that you know we we were lucky yeah <laughs> well i would imagine it's through building trust in relationships and showing value and proving value in, in ways that maybe your competitors couldn't or maybe it was just such a new market one of one of the most most important you need to find everywhere the like-minded people very people, important. The people who appreciate technology, people who would like to lead the industry, people who like to be a number one in the, in the market niche. Mm. And this was our goal. And we were lucky to find those clients who tell us, okay, we'd like to be a number one, no matter what, no matter where, maybe in their county, in, maybe in their community. Yeah. But a number one, and this defines that they will run they will grow they will develop and they will invest in the you know better way of the industry in like kind of better way to perform and run the business yes because right now we talk to the clients and they they like we we appreciate technology we'd like to digitalize yesterday we had a conversation with the client they told we have a plan digital 2020 Okay. So we'd like to move all our operations this year to digital format. Wow. So those, this is like clients which we, and again, you do not, you do not need to sell them. You need to help them. 
Yeah. And this is a different approach. Interesting. So, and this is what we try to do. We we try to move our service to, you know, assistance yes. side to help business to move smoothly and run, not just to sell our product. Okay. So for the listeners out there and even myself, describe like the typical scope of work. So if you're going to approach a company what kind of deliverables do you offer and and what is what is the entire sort of rigor value value mm-hmm. in terms of you know this the scope of what it actually does yeah so in general we connect departments one of the organization change which a company can see is say for example like some people call it harmonizing the data okay so sales works on their own sales procedures and sales price books Operations work on their standards and accounting, trying to invoice all that stuff. Yeah. So first of all, we sit down with the client and tell, okay, this will be one system. Like from quote to invoice, everything will be one, transparent, mm. same name, same price, everything yeah. will be standardized. But the main value proposition like two, like for, for the operation guys is two major things. One you can see all your resources, people, equipment in real time, and you can manage them in real time. Hmm. So like you have a job, you see what's available right away. You don't need to call anyone. Right. You don't need to you know, go to the yard and try to count the, those stuff. No, you can regularly, you need to do that to, yeah. to compare what you have in a system and what you have in the yard. But yeah. It's a normal process. And the second beneficial thing is next day invoicing. This is what mm. we see if most majority of our clients do. So yep. job done, invoice sent to the client, even same day. Wow. Invoicing. Yeah, that cash conversion cycle for, for most businesses is extremely, extremely important. In the business that I'm in, you know, we have to spend a lot of upfront capital to have inventory. And the sooner we can pay off that inventory that's sitting there, only helps our business with cash flow. So without getting into, you know, finance nitty gritty, the sooner that you can invoice and get paid on that money that you spent to execute the job is extremely valuable. So that makes sense. Depend on the company, because say, for example, you invoice faster, you receive money faster, you need less money to, you know, for the working capital. Mm -hmm. And again, the investment to implement the system sometimes equals to money you pay to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. 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 Another thing is scalability. Again, we ah. work with leaders. They'd like to grow. They'd like to, you know, establish a new facilities to the new location. So in this case, the guys do not need to build a new system. They need to educate people how they run the business in a different location. And yeah. that's it. Right. And sometimes we not even know that the guys, you know, double the business or triple the business. They just add one more department <laughs> yeah. to the department list and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and people, people really love. So we, we receive lots of a feedback from our clients and they told us actually yesterday was, was like a comment to that you exceed our expectation. Now, this is probably the best, the best thing. Cause we, when you yeah. come to the office of the operation manager, and you see the whiteboard clean. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing in a whiteboard because everything right now in rigor. Yeah, that is a huge compliment, isn't it? Well, let's talk about scale for a little bit. Obviously, you're helping your clients scale. What does scaling look like for you guys? And what does the future look like at rigor? Good question. So for us, 
scaling meaning that we going to help our clients to manage operations on like, and understand the operations in different ways. So the new version of Rigor will have a cost control, job costing module. Okay. We just rename it. Job costing module, which will provide you a granular analytics about every single job, mm. every single item, and even field technician. Ah. So you can see how much you gain and how much you pay for every single granularity. So okay. like could be location, could be job, could be particular equipment. And this is a big step for us and was like defined in five years, six years ago. Okay. Uh, this is what we will do. And right now we come with the clients. Again, we're driven by client requests. Of course. And we always in a good contact before all our clients and we asking, okay guys, what do you need? What do you'd like to do? What will be your next step? And most of them tell, yes, the job costing for us is very important. We'd like to understand where we're leaking, yes. where we lose money. Another thing, it's the implementation of RFID technologies, ah. uh, which is very, very interesting. And from my perspective, it will change the entire way how the rental operations run right now. So that to me is the future. And actually it's funny. So I worked for Canadian Energy Solutions, CES is mm -hmm. short up in Canada. And they went through a trial period back in, I think, 2009. So selling drilling fluids that it comes out on, you know, on a flatbed truck. It's dry material packaged like, you know, you'd see cement, you know, mm -hmm. in bags on pallets. But anyway, 50 pound bags. And the challenge for us is is obviously once it leaves a warehouse, it get you know it's counted, it's all palletized, it's easy. But once it gets to the rig, the you know the weather conditions, the lease conditions, you know, oftentimes mud engineers or mud men or ladies out there, it's 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 easy to miscount. Mm -hmm. And then when you ship it back, and then understanding every single day how much is being used, they actually trialed RFID, which would then link back to the Calgary office. I don't think the technology was quite there, but that was an eye opener. And since then, I haven't heard or seen that in my business anyways. I'm sure someone out there has done it. But it's interesting you say that because I haven't had a conversation like that in years. But but then it gets, you know, to be real time and you can track it logistically, supply chain. And then it all, like you said, if you can have it all talk to each other, yeah, you're then able to throw in analytics and you know, digital machine learning and all that fun stuff. And so it's kind of sounds like that's sort of the direction you guys this are is, hoping to take. This is, this is what we like. Let's talk about RFID a little bit. Okay. So imagine this scenario then. So right now we talk about rigor as a paperless solution. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you use RFID chips of each piece of the equipment, the documents will be generated automatically. Uh, yeah. So for example, you put the RFID fans on the gate and when the truck moving out of the yard, the digital ticket generated. Wow. Perfect. Okay. You put a geofence on a client side and truck moving out, the ticket is generated. This is, this is an idea. So like less men work, mm -hmm. less errors, yeah. more advanced technologies right. implement into the industry. And this is what our main idea to digitalized oil field, to bring technology and moreover democratized technology to the mid-size and small players. Wow. Because like, you know, when you talk about like digitalization of oil and gas, we talk about big guys. <laughs> yeah. Because like it's expensive 
it's you know required a huge volume, etc., etc., etc. We think that it's time to you know mid-size and small guys to step into the digital air yeah. and provide more effective and run a more effective business and operations from operations side as well. Yeah, so, no, there's there's huge value proposition for those companies to then go to their clients. This is another layer which we yeah. which we see right now. So. Again, when we talk about rental company, they work with manufacturer and with the client. Yeah. And manufacturer and a client today start asking about technical data of the performance of the equipment. Yep, tracking KPIs Say, and all no, that. No, 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 oh. the telemetry. Ah, okay. So, so the, all kind of technical issues. What is the pressure? What is the mm, I see. temperature? And all kind of different small things during the job so they'd like to collect this data to understand like primitive maintenance cycles or like predictive failure of the equipment so they understand in what mode this equipment works right now and they can okay 96 percent that it will be it will stop tomorrow Hmm. we'll send technician right now wow this saves time this saves money and again the downtime just to you know reduce like and again you provide more quality service to your client yes and earn more money because right. when equipment stops you're not working you, you, you're not getting yep. any money wow no that's fascinating and it, and it seems like you guys have such a unique vision and then i'm you know i'm sure and, and the thing is with you you are you know an early adopter of a lot of this and so it's exciting to see where you guys are at and, and where you're ultimately going. You know, it's motivating to see. It's not everything. So we right now see that kind of most of our clients right now have three to four years in mm-hmm. rigor. And we able to start analyzing data yeah. uh, for them to build data cubes and business analytics about where they perform, how they perform. So the number of data, we'd like to use business analytic tools. So extract data from rigor and put this to the kind of dashboards analytics. Wow. So then the people, the business people can understand what's working, what's not. Very, very interesting. I'm sure controllers and CFOs and all that are eager to... Operations uh, guys. Mostly operations, huh? Because this is a tricky thing. So when we talk about software, we talk about accounting. It was the first software which appeared in maybe 1940s, 60s. And accounting was a primary, you know, software implementation in the business. Okay. Right now, like last 10, 15 days, years, sorry, yeah, <laughs> 20 years, we see that sales become a number number one focus because uh, okay. accounting is done. Sure. Sales is almost done. Like, I, like we have like hundreds of maybe thousands of CRM systems right now yeah. in the marketplace. Yeah. And this is a gap between mm, I see. operations. Okay. And this is what we'd like to feel. Yeah, you know, I certainly see where you're coming from. Even with the company I work at, it's we're going through that. And the we've recently gone through a transformation. And you're right, initially it was the accounting side, but now we're starting to adopt technology for operations and sales, how to strategically approach clients or problems or really just observe trends and, and make sure our data is telling the right story. And, and so for us, like normally it would be looking at daily reports on PDF, but now all that data is starting to connect and it's it's allowing us to add value to our clients because we understand more of what's truly going on 
So I see see the value there for sure. So another example. So when again talking about business analytics and yeah. business analytics tools designed for accountants like financial guys, they'd like to analyze all different aspects, but we have nothing for operations guys. Yeah. And we have like maybe two, maybe three times more data here. Right. Okay. Sure. Which is again is more important. Sorry, again, my background is accounting and finance. So, yeah. so no offense to the, to the, to our <laughs> yeah, you're going to rub some people the wrong. Yeah. 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 That's okay. Uh, no offense. But my vision that we need to build a tool for the operation guys, not only from the financial level of the operations like costing, profit, margin for every single job, yeah. but put technical layer of data here. Okay. We have like seven repairs for this site because a pressure was higher than, yeah. than it should be or temperature was lower than it should be. All kind of different things which we need to adjust maybe next job. We need to, we need to understand, we maybe adjust the price. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of analytics we need to put together and provide this more detailed data to the operation guys. Yeah. Not, not to the sales or accounting, but the operations guys. Well, our focus is operations, operations okay. excellence. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, it's interesting. It's a lot more than just looking, you know. No, no, no. It's not way more than just a software. Yeah. No. Uh, and then that's the fascinating part. And I'm glad we were able to touch on that with the detail we did. Because again, you know, telling the story and, and the capabilities and seeing the vision, I think is extremely important. And, and not a lot of people get the opportunity to tell that because looking at the website, you draw your own conclusions and your own limitations. But speaking to you, it sounds like the sky's the limit. So look, I like I said before, I'm going to be ripping to the airport to head to Denver soon. But I have a couple other questions before we wrap up here. And I also want to respect your guys' time as well. Do you have any daily habits or routines that help keep you focused and, and motivated and, and not to do with work? But because but obviously running a company and, you know, with nowadays information is constantly inbound. I mean, what do you do to disconnect? And do you have any routines to do so? Run to run the business. Okay. So I'm running. Yeah. And it really helps, especially when you have tough times. Uh, yeah. When you need to make very important decision, mm. run for an hour or two. Yeah. And it will come. Okay. Or you will die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a huge fork in the road. It's either a win or a big loss. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that that's good. That's, you know, and it's it's funny because some people meditate and, and whatever you want to call it, it's it's it's, it's, it's a of, form of just disconnect. When, when, when you have a long run, uh, mm -hmm. it's kind of meditation. Yeah. Because you have a rhythm, you have a tempo, and it just become like repetitive things and yeah. for the mind. And you do not need to control anything, like just a just a run. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, like kind of a meditation. I'm yeah. I've never tried meditation, but for me, it's just yeah. And that's certainly a form. And I think that it's, it's it's such a loosely defined term, but but regardless, is just getting your mind into that, you know, less distractions and less thinking, and, and your creative juices will start flowing, and you'll have answers to questions you didn't even realize your subconscious had. I've had those moments, and it's certainly some of the the bigger answers to the questions i've had have come from s scenarios like that so that's and, that's interesting and, and the second thing i have yeah. two daughters so oh. I, <laughs> yeah I'm that'll busy. keep you busy yeah absolutely okay how old eight actually okay. it was like 28th of february okay she, she had the second second birthday oh wow happy yeah. birthday <laughs> and two years it will be for the second child. okay cool i know that's uh, so i have a daughter who's four and a half and a son who's one so 
lots going on at the home front. So absolutely. Yeah, it's a good time. One last question. Is there a message you'd like to relay, assuming everyone in energy is is listening right now? What what would be the biggest message you have for folks out there? Be brave, don't afraid, and protect our industry. Yes. I believe that right now industry requires some protection from people who do not understand the value. Mm. People who do not understand the technology advance of the industry. Because for me, it's like a space. When you go four, six, 20 kilometers deep yep. and try to find something there, people, you need to appreciate this. Yeah. It's it's very, very technological advanced industry, very respectful and great people. Yes. The quality of people. We really, really enjoy working with oil and gas. Yeah. And it was kind of a discovery for me several years ago, maybe 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's very unique industry in terms of focusing on the again the conservatives of the industry gives like and focus on the mitigating the risk mm-hmm. so that provides a very specific you know approach to the entire industry but right now industry needs to be protected yeah no we've got a bit of an uphill battle but i think folks like yourself and and everyone listening yeah we can all do our part and just share the good information and the things that we're doing well and and how we're helping the world. So, you know, with that being said, I appreciate everyone listening. And I just want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming events. Hi, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So obviously, we are in uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. We have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously, we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So We just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen. And we hope that everyone is staying safe and we wish everyone the best. And thanks again. Great. Thank you. Anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey? Come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And if you're looking to get in shape for spring and summer, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Mike, thanks again for joining me today. I've had such a, it's been a pleasure having this conversation with you. You know, you're a great person. You've done a lot of great things in your career and rigor certainly changing the game. And I'm excited to see where you guys are in the next, you know, two to three and and years beyond. So keep up the great work. And if people want to get to know more about yourself or the company, what's the best way? Website or? Yeah, our website, rigger.us. Okay. I'll put the link in the show notes so that people mm-hmm. can click on that. And then do you mind if I put your LinkedIn profile link Absolutely. in there? And Absolutely. then uh, if people have any questions, maybe they can reach yeah. out. Yeah. Feel free to connect with me. And I'm a really open LinkedIn. Good, good. No, I noticed that you're active on there, which I can certainly appreciate. So 
Well, everyone out there, thanks again. And always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Great. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.